The Lord be with you, and may his blessing be upon you tonight. I just want to very briefly uh, talk about that Bible school that we are, it begins, um, it's, an, it's number one, although it stands by itself. I would like to emphasize that this Bible school, which is April the 26th through the 27th of this year, um, it is essentially module one of um, seven modules. But on the other hand, it stands by itself. And there are some who have inquired, could they just come to that? Yes, you could. It's, it stands by itself, though it introduces us at the same time to what you might say the advanced course of seven modules. It, it, the name of this school um, that we're doing at that time in April is um, union with the triune God. That, that's at the heart of what we're saying here, that Jesus came, suffered, died, rose from the dead, and gave the Holy Spirit in order to bring about this incredible union that I live, yet not I, it is Christ who lives in me. Now, I say, what does that mean? And it will take us the entire time of Module 1 to explain that, much because the church of the 21st century here in the West knows nothing about that, and therefore they've given you another aspect of the gospel altogether. But anyway, if you would like to be a student there, it's in the Drury Inn in San Antonio, and you can get all the details at our office, which is, uh, the, the area code is 830, and then 460-4000. And they can give you all the details, and also all the details for the retreat that we're doing in St. Petersburg, Florida, June 7th through 8th. That'd be fantastic to see all of you there. Anyway... I want to pick up exactly where we left off last week, almost sort of the, the last sentence, let's just keep talking. But um, you can read it if, if you want to catch up with what we said. You remember blind the blind beggar who sat at the gates of uh, Jericho? His name was Bartimaeus. That is, that's a Hebrew expression for the son of Timaeus. And as he's there, he cries out for Jesus, who is leading this great parade of people. Um, I, I suppose the whole of Jericho lined the streets of the city, um, all looking for just one glimpse of Jesus and anticipating something he would do. And then there'd be the, the vast crowd that followed him, that had came probably with him from Jerusalem or whatever, the Galilee. And, and, and so there's this great convergence of crowds. And then it tells us that this blind beggar began to shout above the din of the crowd, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, of course, the leaders of the procession tell him to shut up. But then Jesus stops. And this is where I want to pick up where we were. Uh, Jesus stopped. Uh, and I, I, I could just... <laughs> 
Can you imagine that when the whole crowd is surging and shouting and going dizzy with excitement and suddenly Jesus stops and the whole crowd behind him backs up? You know how that goes. And everybody stops talking to what's happening, what's going on. And there's some sort of silence that comes over the street that they're on. As everyone now, ears pricked forward to hear, what's he going to say? Eyes riveted on him, what's he going to do? And he he says, bring that man to me. Can, can you imagine that, being Bartimaeus, and, and to be told he's calling for you? Suddenly the leaders of the parade are now proud to know Bartimaeus, and they they, they tell him he, he's calling for you, it's, it's time to come. And, and so he threw off his beggar's cloak and, and came to Jesus, and here they stood. This is it, this is it. There they stood. Here is God in our flesh. God the Son, who has assumed our humanity, and he's a genuine human, a Galilean, who spoke with a Galilean country accent. And he stands there, a young man, 30, 31 years old. And and Bartimaeus, the beggar, blind, stands right in front of him. They're, they're, They're face to face person to person. And and Jesus said, and you could have heard this far, because you could have heard a pin drop as everyone's listening and watching and holding their breath, anticipating what Jesus might do. And Jesus answered the beggar and said, what do you want me to do for you? There it is. Um, As I say, that's where we were last week. What do you want me to do for you? But what I want to zero in on is, is that they're standing there face to face. And Jesus is now offering himself to this man. And it's as if it's just the two of them. See, that's what comes over in the story. The, the vast crowds of people that were gathered there are hardly mentioned. In fact, they're not really mentioned. Um, it's taken for granted. Um, what, what you do see is this a confrontation of love. Here, Bartimaeus is standing before him as if there's nobody else in Jericho. No one else is involved. The leaders of the procession are backed off, and, and the beggars are all turned in their blindness toward what they hear. And everyone, is, it's as if everyone is backing off. This is between Jesus and Bartimaeus. It's private. It's personal. In fact, it is so intimate. It is sacred. And it's all happening in the middle of this watching crowd who have faded into the background. And the question now to this One person that Jesus is speaking to is one individual that for that moment of time is the only person in the entire planet that God in Christ is speaking to. What a thought. 
the, the, the man that everybody would say was insignificant. I mean, a beggar had no standing in those days. A blind person had little or no standing. In fact, there was a slur on them. Do you remember the disciples when they saw a blind man in Jerusalem, they said to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's how they looked at it. Here, Jesus makes it a most personal interview in which he's giving himself to Bartimaeus and saying, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, that's, that's the setup. But I, I want to ask this question. And from here on out, um, if there's anything you don't understand, put it on the shelf. There'll be plenty you do understand. Um, because I want to at least touch. It would take a, a time to deal with some of this stuff later. Um, but that's not what this is about. I just want to touch on it. Um, because it's important. I asked the question, who is Jesus? We've done that pretty often. But why was Jesus here? Why was Jesus here? What did he come for? And uh, th this is important, and also for some of you it will be shocking, because we, we have, I say we, many of us, have been raised among the evangelical or the charismatic part of the church, and their answer to that question would be that Jesus came to suffer and die and rise from the dead so that we can go to heaven when we die. Or a take on that is that he suffered and died and rose from the dead so that we could have our sins forgiven. And um, now, dare I say this, <laughs> but that, that's, that's Jesus said, many times over why he was here. And neither of those two things were reasons given. In fact, uh, the reasons given do not belong to afterlife. Did you notice? You go to heaven when you die, uh, which suggests anyway that we've got to wait to die to find out what Jesus came to give us. Um, and once you say he just came to forgive sins, then for the rest of your life you're, you're focused on sins. Have you sinned? Do you need more forgiveness? Uh, and that's what happens in many churches all over the country on Sunday where everybody goes forward for the 9,000th time to get saved all over again or try to. Uh, it's, it's so... No, that's not... in. It's, I say... <laughs> I know you'll go nuts, but I, I said that's not in the Bible. Jesus did not say that. Jesus, but very articulately, did say what he had come to do. And I'll just say a little bit right now. He came, according to himself, to bring us to the Father. Yeah, that's it, to bring us to the Father um, and, and to give us the knowing of the Father, that intimate knowledge of the Father. But, but before we get there, then, Look at Jesus and that first question, who is Jesus? And I've said a thousand times, he is God from God. But he is sent by the Father on a mission. He, the Father so desired you, desired to be together with you, to have you in the Trinity family. 
he sends Jesus. God came from God in order to lay hold upon us and bring us to the Father. And in the present tense, in this here and now, as the clock is now ticking, bring us to the Father. And that's where we would live our life. But in order to do that, he had to get inside of us. He doesn't do something external from us. He has to come into the very beating heart of human. He has to get that human that is common to all of us, that human that has been corrupted and poisoned and dismantled by the lie and now dwells in darkness and distortion and illusion that in fact is set against the Father. And so God the Son, Jesus, comes and he takes to himself our humanity. And then the Father gives to him God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon that humanity of Jesus. And that Holy Spirit is the way in which this wonder, this mystery, this mouth-dropping event takes place, that, that Jesus takes our humanity and he lives God in humanity. That is, all that he has always been as God is now transposed into human, limited human creature, which means he has to look into the eyes of every lie and all the corruption and the darkness and choose no. He chooses the truth concerning the Father, that God is not an angry, punishing God. He is love. And he chooses that against all the lies that come with that ancient human. And, and, and there, with every choice he makes, he is establishing the very life of God inside human and does that in the ability and the guidance and uplifting and strengthening of the Holy Spirit. Huh. So, so who is this? They all asked that, didn't they? Who is this? I look at this and he's a real man and he's got carpenter's hands and, and he's known all through the hill country. He's the carpenter of Nazareth in the Galilee. But when I look into his eyes and I see into his soul, I say, who is this? And the answer is, he is God. God the Son who has come inside you humanity to turn humanity, convert humanity and bring about the knowledge of God. But at the point where we meet him here in the Gospels, going there in Jericho as he's been all through the Galilee, hear me carefully, he is the only one. He's the only human who knows the Father. Everybody else is distorted and twisted in their thinking. It's described as the darkness of the mind. It is the lie that has twisted and destroyed everything in, in human that originally was. But here is one 
and, and say again, he's God, and therefore this one is, is equal in worth to the entire creation. He's the creator. But he now, inside our human, and inside us for real, he will be that for the rest of all eternity. Here is human born of a woman who came through a birth canal in a rush of water, a little babe at the Virgin Mary's breast, a little toddler who discovers creation, genuine human. God in our humanity, and therefore this true man, he's the only one who knows the Father. He's the only one who knows how to hear the Father. He's the only one who knows how to talk to the Father. He's the only one who can look into the Father's eyes and know that he is beloved. The only one. Think about that. And so, to him is given Holy Spirit, God Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the grace of God given to us, And in that grace given, Jesus, the genuine man who is God, but now limited in our humanity through the Holy Spirit, hears his Father's voice and knows the Father listens when he talks and the Father shows him what he wills to do and the Father tells him what he wills him to say. That's why the crowds flocked him, because he had the connection. He knew the Father, and they came with their brokenness and their absolute disheveled souls that he who knew the Father He who could listen to the Father, the Father listened to him. They had relationship. And out of that, this Jesus said, I'll show you what the Father is like, what he's truly like, not what religion has told you. He is the one who loves you and will save you and forgive you. He is the one that will heal you and do wonders in your body. He is the one who will straighten out your mind. He is the one that will give his love and joy and peace into your emotions. And they came because they could bring their need to him and he knew the Father. And and that's the way it was. And, And so, do you remember when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus? It's one of the only times that we hear Jesus talking about this to the Father. And he prayed. And, And do you remember it's in John 11, 41? Jesus prayed at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Father, listen to this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That's interesting. I I thought Jesus was going to pray for Lazarus, who was dead, Uh, but he doesn't. He's approaching the whole issue by saying, Father, I thank you, you have heard me. And then he goes on and says, and I knew that you hear me, Always. Look, the literal, it's, you know, when I say that, if you translate it from the 
language of the New Testament, um, it would be awkward and clumsy to say it in a public meeting. Uh, But let me give it to you now because I think it's important. What the original language that Jesus spoke, what it says, Jesus said, I thank you that you, he's speaking to the Father, you habitually listen to me. You constantly hear me. So I constantly thank you that you hear and respond to me. You get it? Here is, well, there's never been a man like him. There's, I mean, go back to the prophets of the Old Testament. None would even dare to even go into this territory. None of them even knew to call God Father. And so he stands there. That's, I say it again, that's why blind Bartimaeus is standing here. He knows, this one knows the Father. This one can communicate the love of the Father to me. That's why I'm here. And, and, and then the crowds of the people, why are they lining the streets? Because this one knows the Father. And when you know the Father, well, anything can happen. Because love has a million expressions. And so they just wait on tiptoe and short, shallow breathing because what's going to happen? Is he going to heal the sick again? Is he going to is he going to raise the dead? Who knows? Who knows? Is he going to speak forgiveness to someone that we've thrown in the gutter? Who knows? It was so exciting because a man, God the Son, the man knows the Father. That's why the multitudes flock to him. In fact, you could say this is the entire purpose of God, all in one micro-moment. Jesus, who himself in his true being, his true person is the fullness of God, with us inside our humanity, And he is listening to this beggar with compassion, with delight and expectancy, listening for what the Father will have him do to the Holy Spirit who will be the ability to do so. Look, Bartimaeus, you won't get this right now, but actually the entire Trinity is listening to you right now. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible? You say, well, I, I, I thought the Father was in heaven and, and sort of there's an empty chair there while Jesus came to earth. Oh, my dear. You know, you can't separate the Trinity because it's not three gods, it's one God three persons, and therefore when God the Son came into our earth, then also the Holy Trinity set up headquarters right there, if you could put it so, so crudely, but that, that's, that's what it means. And the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is now upon Jesus. And so, yes, you have the Holy Trinity right there, and everybody, is it's intense and exciting as, as God himself is listening to this chap. Okay.
Did you get that? Well, that's only the beginning. It's like the commercial, this is but wait, there's more. And that more is what is called the new covenant. You see, the, f- <laughs> the only one, Jesus, the only one, the only one who knows the Father. What's he here for? He is here to share that knowledge of the Father with us. To include us into his knowing. That we might actually participate, become part of his relationship to the Father. To actually be so one with Jesus that we now experience the love of the Father and the knowledge of the Father and what the Father wants and what the Father will do. Oh, and we'll know it too. Because now we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. Okay, you wonder where I got that? Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Listen, Jesus is speaking. He said, no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And, so there's somebody else, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So he is saying, no one knows the Father, but... I will to share my unique knowledge of him. I I will to share that dynamic experience within the Holy Trinity with anyone that will come. Because the next word is come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, that is come and receive this knowledge. Now this gets fascinating because in John 16:22 and these are the very last words that Jesus spoke before he suffered and therefore in that sense the last words he spoke really before he rose from the dead so he's now preparing them for that John 16:22 he says therefore you too now have sorrow had sorrow because you know something terrible's about to happen but I will see you again. Your heart will rejoice. No one will take your joy away from you. Listen. And in that day, you will ask me no more questions. Because truly, truly, I say to you, if you shall ask, you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name or in my person. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Now, ask, and you will receive that your joy may be made full. He goes on in verse 26. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father, have come into the world. I'm leaving the world again and going to the Father. And what about you? Well, you, you're, now you 
You won't sit there at the side of the road and say, Jesus has got all the answers. Jesus will do it. And we're going to clap him and say, wow, what a wonderful Jesus. He says, from this day on, everything changes. He said, you are now one with me so that you speak in my name as me, one with me, out from me. You and I are going to be bound together. And you can ask the Father out from union with me. And he loves you the same way as he loves me. And all that, if we had time to read that whole passage, all that is because the Holy Spirit will come and be the very presence of Jesus inside of us. Oh, some of you are now needing to sit down. Well, what about John 17? He defines eternal life. You see, that, that's a... I wish they'd never use the word eternal there because it doesn't mean what you think it means. No, you see, this is the life of God. This is what God wills to give to you. What is eternal life, he said? What is this life I'm talking about? Well, I'm going to live forever in a mansion in heaven. No, it's not, you see, it's not that at all. No, you were just taught that and no one checked it out. But it says here, it's a definition. He says, this is eternal life. Okay, what is it? that you may know the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He said eternal life has got nothing to do with living forever. Eternal life is to do with the quality of life, that you know the Father, you know him. And he, you know that he loves you as he loved Jesus, and the Holy Spirit puts the mind of God the mind then of Jesus in our humanity, but now that mind into our mind. So it says into 1 Corinthians 2 that we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 says we have the attitude of Christ. Christ lives in us. And therefore, he's no longer out there in the middle of the road and we have to go no, he's within us, and he says, Now you, in my name, out from your union with me, you talk to the Father. He says, Sure, that, that, that's for saints. Uh, and, and most of the church would say, Well, that's for when you die. Oh, we're obsessed with dying, aren't we? You've got to get that over with for this thing to work. No, it's now, right now. On the tick tock, tick tock, right now. He says in John 17, 21, as he's praying for us, and he really does make it plain, it's us who came after the disciples. He says that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, the Father and the Son. What on earth are we saying there? That they may, further down, he says, that they may be one just as we, Father and Son, are one, I in them and thou in me. So that they may know that you did send me and do love them even as you love me. And verse 26 says that the love with which you do love me may be in them, and I in them. So, so you, uh, did you get that? He says that they are in me, 
I am in them. And I'm in you, Father, so that makes them in you too. We are all entangled with the Father and Son all through the Holy Spirit. We, we stand in the present. Look, just where you are, who you are, sitting where you are, driving, whatever. Understand this right now. Right now. This is the gospel. That you are wrapped up in Jesus and Jesus himself is your life. And he is inside the Father. And the Father's inside of him, which makes the Father inside of you, even as you in Christ are inside the Father. And all of that in the embrace of the Holy Spirit, who makes it all real and functional and realized in this world. That's who you are. You haven't done anything. Just sit there. And you who trust in Jesus, this is your experience. In Christ we live and we speak in his name. That means it out from that union with him. He's our life. And so he's saying the Father listens to you. Do you remember how he described the Father listening to him? He says, Father, I think you habitually, constantly listen to me. Well, you now are so wrapped up with Jesus, you speak and live in his name. So the Father listens to you. You say, I, when I get my act together and when I'm, you know, a, a saint... So, so you, you don't think Jesus did anything for you? You've got to do it all for yourself. The fact is, you see, what we say, I trust Jesus, it means you trust that Jesus, this God-man, actually carried you to death and raised again, now in union with him, to sit with him in the presence of the Father. That's the gospel. That's who you are. That's where your house is, right in the middle of that. That's where your family is. That's where your business is. That's where you live and move and work inside of God, the throbbing love of God. And he says he listens to us. See, the blind Bartimaeus story is fantastic, but what I've just said, if you got it, is more, even more fantastic. Because now Jesus isn't over there. He's inside me. I'm one with him through the Holy Spirit. And so now I'm in he's my ears he's my voice and i speak and know the father with his knowing i know the father's smile of delight i know his love acceptance and welcome there's no doubt no doubt <clears throat> that he at this very minute as i'm sitting here and as you're sitting there that that he the father all through Jesus by the Holy Spirit is in the act of giving the totality of himself to you in this moment. See? Because you're now caught up in Jesus. You don't have to Jericho to meet him. You, when you go to sleep, you sleep inside of him and he inside of you. When you wake up in the morning, the Holy Spirit's dancing by your bed waiting for your eyes to open. Can't get wait for the get the day started. Oh, you know. see, I, I'm I've slammed into religion here because you see we've been taught in some areas of the church that are pretty good, but we, we've been taught that 
you know, this, you know God, you hear, hear God and you know what he wants. Well, that's for somebody special. That's for somebody special. You see, that, that, that's for a sort of modern day Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Paul or Peter. That, that's special, you see. And, and so we, we go to them, don't we say, pray for me, pray for me. As if he said, I can't pray for myself. I'm not worthy. I, I don't have that connection. But you do, so you pray for me. I'm not important enough to ask. Or as my mother used to say, that's not for the likes of us. You're born in the ghetto and get used to it. It's not for you. No. Stamp your holy little foot Slam your fist on your table and realize, not only is this for you, this is the new covenant, this is the gospel. We're not in the Old Testament anymore when you had a prophet that you had to go to. In fact, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31, verse 31, he he said, in this day that you and I are living in now, the new covenant, he said, every one of them will know me, says the Lord. That is, it won't be a prophet like Elijah or Elisha. It won't be one individual standing out. You'll be brothers and sisters in the knowing of God and know that he loves you as he loved Jesus and he hears you and listens to you. Or to use Jesus' own illustration in John chapter 12, he was the original corn of wheat, but he was placed in the ground of death. And when he raised from the dead, he brought forth a multi-millions, just the same as him now. So he's the only son of God, son of man. But he has brought forth inside of us through carrying us through death, washing us in his blood, and now filling us with the Spirit. All that he is dwells in us, and we now participate in his relationship to the Father. And, and please don't get religious on me. All those, you, you, you pray with a language no one talks today. Shakespeare's dead, you know. Don't, don't, don't talk to God like that. Look, I, I hear him say right now to you, The father says, come on, pull up a chair, talk to me, I want to hear you. You matter to me, you're important to me, I deeply care about you. And very much care about what's happening to you. Tell me, I'm listening. That's Christianity 101. What does it say, Revelation 3.20? We've heard that used for evangelism, but it's not. It was talking to believers in a church. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my... I will come in and I will... Well, you could translate it. uh, It's in your old Bible. I will sup with him. It was speaking of the evening meal, which was pretty much a feast for the people of that day. But the evening meal... The, the sup out of which we get our modern word supper sometimes. But um, it, it, it went into the evening because there was no television. There was no internet. So um, the meal meant you just sat there, ate, talked, ate, talked. And, and it was the time of connection, communication, conversation, being together hour by hour. That was what Jesus was talking about. 
says, I want to listen to you. I want to, I want to know you through your lips. And I'm listening. I habitually listen to you. And I love you as I love Jesus. What was Psalm 23 um, anticipated this? He said, you prepare a feast in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. A feast, again, was a time of communication. But the grace of God is the Holy Trinity listening to you in this very minute. What, what is it to listen? That's a question. What is it to listen? It is to listen. When you say you're listening, when Jesus said, he hears me, he's listening to me. And out of that listening comes everything that I am and do. It is being present to the speaker with an intention. That is, you're not just sitting in the same room as someone and there's the drone of their talking going on. No. Listening means you are present, mentally, emotionally, present to the person who is speaking. And you're there with an intention that is, I will to hear deeply what this person is saying, which might mean I get underneath their words, note the intonation of their voice, watch the blink of their eye, the movement of their hands. I'm listening to them. I give to them my entire attention. I give to them my interest to every detail that they're sharing and do so without any condemnation. I'm not judging them. I'm listening and loving them because listening is an act of love. It really is. It's it's in which the heart of the one touches the heart of the other. When you listen to a person, it means that you are immersing your life into the other. You're investing yourself in the other at least for the time you're listening to them. That's the act of listening. But, but it's love because when I listen to a person, and you know when someone's listening, don't you? When you listen, you are communicating to them, I see your value. Of course, you wouldn't be listening uh, if you didn't see their value. you So, in that sense, you bestow upon them worth and importance. You're worth my listening to you. You matter to me. That's why I'm giving you my exclusive attention. I want to be here with you. You're not wasting my time. See, all that, you don't have to say it. If you're listening, you're saying that. This person is important enough to take up the next hour of your time. Um, You're you're going to give them your your exclusive attention. So obviously they want to be here with you because you're important. You matter. And if you notice that listening unites the person, the speaker and the listener, they are united. Um, Or to put it this way, To know that you're being listened to imparts to you, what, light? You see things more clearly. Energy, strength, hope, 
peace that has come about in in what really is a, a mystical it is it's a hard to define unity with the listener. How many times, and I'm sure you've experienced it, I've just sat and listened to somebody as they poured out their soul, and at the end they say, thank you so much, what you said helped me. But I didn't say anything. Oh, that's happened so many times. I haven't said anything, but I listened, and something happens in listening. You feel that person is bestowing upon me their care and concern and love, and I respond to that, and something happens. It tells me I'm not alone. I am joined at the deepest level with the listener. We're together in this journey of life. You'll never forget this moment. So you could say listening is a language all by itself. It connects people together without a word being spoken. Okay, that, that's a, a definition of listening. Well, what have I just said? <laughs> I, that God the Father, through Jesus, in this dimension of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, they are listening to you. Uh, and also to you, if I can get through this camera, <laughs> to you. And I'm not talking about, you know, God speaking to a mob of people. No, not even to a group. You know, when, when you're in a crowd and you feel a very small voice in a big crowded room. No, <clears throat> no. There, there are times that the, the Word of God comes to a crowd, but usually it's to the whole crowd as individuals. God, God's not into talking to the mob. He speaks to us one, like Bartimaeus. It, it, it's a private face-to-face together. You have the ear of God. This isn't poetry. This isn't not fantasy. As I'm talking to you right now, wake up! You have the ear of God, the heart of God, without any distractions. Whoever you are, you are unique. It doesn't matter what your family thinks of you. It doesn't matter how the world sees you. That's neither here nor there. You are a unique human You have been included into Jesus, the new man. Therefore, you're part of the new mankind. You, at this moment, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you are relating to the Father. Inside of Jesus, who is inside the Father, and the Father is inside of him, and therefore inside of you. Do you realize what's going on in your living room right now? But that's the gospel. No wonder they called it gospel. The word means the goodest, grandest news you've ever heard. He's listening to you. He listens as lover. He listens as best friend. He is giving to you right now the gift of respect and honor and worth. Just the fact he's listening to you. 
If you weren't worth respect, if you had no honor, he wouldn't be listening. People don't listen to people that don't matter. You're beloved. You matter. He's your friend who is giving his being to you now. God respects and honors and gives worth. He listens. And oh, it's so infinitely safe. This is the safest place in, in the planet. Look, what a relief. See, this is the gospel. You can throw away all your masks and all your fig leaves. Come on out. Come on out of the darkness. Come out of hiding. Stop being secretive. In fact, do you realize you can tell him your worst secrets and he won't judge you? They'll never be used against you. See, this is our God, the real one, that came in in Jesus, and also Jesus revealed him the real one. He's not an interrogating prosecutor. He's not questioning you and listening to catch you so he can condemn you. He listens to heal, to restore, to guide, And he accepts us where we're at right now. He accepts us how we feel right now. And he accepts us to bring us to where he is. You're being listened to right now. He's, He's listening to your heart. It'll be good when we're done that you say it with your mouth. But right now, he's listening to you. And, and, and you, you're right now sitting in an energy field of God's acceptance, his safest place in all creation, where it's safe to open up to love. You know, there, there are some churches, and they should uh, read you your Miranda rights at the door. You know what I mean? You know, you have a right to remain silent. Any word you do say could be used against you in a court of law. Yeah, they should tell you that because uh, if if you dared open up in some churches, if you dared tell just half a secret, they'd destroy you. But it's safe with Jesus. You're in him. He's in you. And now you in him and he in you in the Father. You stand before the Father and you know that you're loved. He doesn't despise you. And also, he doesn't join in your self-accusation, you know? You don't think much of yourself, do you? The, and, and, of course, in some places, you've actually been taught that self-abasement is holiness, you know? I'm a worthless wretch, you know? And that's, uh, that's the posture of religion, bent at the waist and neck bent down, Sometimes it's self-loathing. But he comes into the middle of that darkness and says, I love you, I love you. And he shows the light that you've joined the lie in talking about yourself. And he draws you into his joy over you, rejoices over you with singing, says the Scripture, so that you might receive his joy. We discover ourselves. We come to know ourselves. 
and we come to know the extent of our importance to him through his listening eyes of love. See, he sees you as a vast, unexplored universe. He delights in you. He's excited over you. And he who began this good work in you, he's never going to quit until it's done. He's not bored with you. You excite him. You delight him. He'll never quit with you until every plan he's ever had has been established in you. It's amazing. He listens to us. He, oh, come on. I, look, my time is almost gone and I'm still wondering, have I got this through? It, it's, it's got a hold of me. He listens to us. Can, can you imagine that? I thought God knew everything anyway. Why would he need to listen to us? Well, of course, that's, <clears throat> that's a big point. Because, yes, God knows all things. But from the beginning of the Bible, he portrays himself as a questioning, listening God who is fascinated with you. That's from the very beginning of the Bible. If we had time, I could show you. So, if, if he who knows all things limits himself to asking you questions and to listening to you, that means that love, God is love, love has limited himself in order to know you and to know your circumstances and to know your feelings right now and to know your desires right now through your own lips. He wants to know you and, and to enter into a relationship with you right where you are. Therefore, what you say and how you say is of vast importance and fascination to him because he's knowing you at that experiential level. He wills, he wills to hear in your language, your language. I'll say it again, not in that ancient language that no one ever talks outside of church, you know. No, your language, talk to him real. You know, on the Emmaus Road, that's another story all by itself. But that resurrected Jesus... God the Son, who in his humanity is the first and only human being to have risen from the dead never to die again. And what's he doing? He's taking a walk on a country road just a few hours after he rose from the dead. And he comes on two broken people who saw him die on the cross and that's the end of their life. And, and he draws it out of them. He doesn't reveal who he is. He, he says, what's going on? Tell me about it. And, and he, it's, it's, a, it's an urgency, a must in him to know what they're feeling through their lips. He, he wants their, their he, he gives sta- status to, to their feelings about this. And how do they perceive it? How do they see life? He, he will enter into our life through the portal of our words that we say about it. 
ever got down on the floor with your grandchildren? Hmm. And they're prattling away and they're off in their fantasy world and they're showing by little words here, little words there, how they see their world. And, and, and you go down and, and you could stand aloof like a, a cold statue and say, I know all of that. You probably do. But you see, something happens. When you're down there and, and you're interacting with, with the feelings that that child is having, with, with the words that are coming out of the mouth, and, and the toys they're playing with, as you interact, something happens. The child knows it matters. The child knows love. And you are knowing the child. And, and you are, in fact, drawing that child up into adulthood. You communicate it. That they will be the person they shall be because of this interaction. God, listen. In fact, in, in Hosea it speaks almost this language. I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's as if God the Father says, to, I, I had you on my knee and we played together on the floor and, and, and I communicated to you your importance and my love for you. Yeah. This is your God that came to us in Jesus. And now, Jesus, your life through the Holy Spirit, you are one with him. You live in his name and you communicate with the Father. Right here, right where you are. He's not on a phone. <laughs> He's where you are. My brother-in-law, Pepin, is in Venezuela right now. And I'm sure many of you know the horrors of Venezuela, where the government has shut off water supply, cuts off electricity, has taken all medicines and sold them to other countries so their people would die. And, and, and in that terrible place, um, my, my wife speaks with him, Nancy speaks with him, and, and we, we are right there in the, in the middle of those terrible times. But we are there, and our compassion is there, our prayers are there, everything we have to give is there, but we're, we're doing it from the safety of sitting on a porch in, in Bandera, Texas. We're on the phone. And as wonderful as that is, let me say God is not on the phone. He, he's not in some safe place while, while you are exposed to the danger. He, he's right there with you. As, as you, Papine, live inside the Holy Trinity, and he is your shield and your strength. So every one of us, he's there with us. He's not shouting encouragement from far. The incarnation means God himself is now with us. So what can I say? Prepare yourself. It might be a shaking yourself. Wake up, wake up. Do you realize what the gospel is? boldly open your heart in this moment and begin realizing you are listened to. 
and let trust and faith be born. Let the strength of God be yours as you're listened to. Let expectancy rise within you. Well, I, that's it for today. Um, I, I've gone over time, but um, we might carry this on next week. Who knows? But now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, open your eyes to see that you, by sheer grace and gift that comes to you in Jesus through the Spirit, you dwell inside of the triune God, even as that same glorious God dwells in you through the Spirit. And you are listened to by the God who loves you with unlimited love. To that end, I bless you to the seeing of that and declare that is the way it is.